through this. All right. This is Sandcast Beach Volleyball with Triborn and Travis Mawarder, brought to you as always by our guys at Kona, which my man Lee Feinswog is proudly displaying to the camera, along with Ed Chan, the editors, owners, uh, writers do everything at volleyballmag.com. How are we, gentlemen? Welcome to California, Lee. The other LA. <laughs> yeah. I live in Louisiana. L.A. This is L. Period. Ah. A period. <laughs> there you go. Most people don't get that. Right. Where are you from? The other L.A. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. But proud to quaff a Kona <laughs> on Sandcast. Now, most people probably don't know this, but I named Sandcast. You did. Ah, and yeah. I decided That's it would right. be Sandcast, and I decided to. It would be all capital letters. And yeah. I don't remember why Travis and I were just kicking the idea around, and I said, Sandcast. Yeah, because yeah. it was the Sandcast, and you said, no, it's just... Sandcast. Yeah, it's kind of catchy, though. Yeah. It's caught on. Yeah. Do you have t-shirts yet and stuff? We do have t-shirts. We have t-shirts. We have some hats, uh, sweatshirts. Rafi Paulus wears our sweatshirt, like, everywhere. I mean, double X t-shirt. I mean, you know. Yeah, I can get <laughs> yeah. you one. Okay. We I don't have the polos. Not, I don't want not, polos. We're not a formal I wore this. So we're here, to, we're here because, well, I'm here, and, and Ed is, Ed, Ed's in California. He lives in San Diego. But I came because... I'm here out here for meetings with P1440 and stuff, and we yeah. did the media photo shoots today. Right. So that's where I'm wearing you know, the company logo, and it is too, although this is actually a collector's item because the new logo has the P1440 colors sure. and the little right. you know, volleyball in there. So um, we'll, we'll be getting new stuff. Yeah. I'm all into swag. And <laughs> <laughs> say something, will you? Loving it. There you go. Remember <laughs> the talkative photographer. So when we got together and, and bought the magazine, Ed and I have known each other a long time. We knew beforehand, but you know, it was always just slight interactions. You know, he he'd be shooting pictures, I'd be writing stuff, and he had explained to me that you know he was the the shy guy, and I said, well, I kind of gathered that, and you can imagine I go into an empty room and have a good conversation. So, yeah. <laughs> well, there's a reason I'm normally behind the camera. Right, right. <laughs> this is the wrong side of the camera. You don't meet, like, too many extroverted photographers, though. I feel like it's sort of... It's just the way it goes. Like, most people who do the photos and videos are the introverted ones, and on the other side of the camera is where you get the extroverts. There, there are notable exceptions. So yeah. Mike right. Gomez, you know, um, for sure. It's definitely out there, but as a rule, yes. Let's just say Ed's no Andy Leibovitz. As far as you know, we won't see him on like you know night late night TV or anything. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is like you know as late night TV as it gets in the volleyball world right now. No, but this is pretty oh, cool. Yeah. So, so you know we're at Tri's house, and uh, oh, you're not is, supposed to tell anyone. Everyone you know, thinks we're at Manhattan Beach Pier. I was just going to say <laughs> you may find this hard to believe, but we're, we're not green screen. But he's got this great nook right here where the yeah. show is set up. It's perfect. It's really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah. they told me. So I remember, like, uh, on my, my TV show back in Baton Rouge is called Sports 225. It used to be called Sports Monday. And it's actually in its 25th year. But I never forget when we went to a virtual set for the first time. So you're in a green screen, which is in a green room. Right. And the only thing there are the two chairs and a little table. But when people watch and they see all this stuff. Yeah. Well, we did the first show at the virtual. The next day, a friend of mine said, God, that was really cool. He goes, I know you were doing the virtual, but why did you have that table right in front of you like that? And I said, that wasn't a table, it was the floor. And they couldn't figure <laughs> out a way. So the floor actually had floated up and looked like we were sitting in front of this table that cut us off. What? Yeah, because and there's a reaction to everything that happens. You know, we since got it down. But, right. Uh, yeah. So not doing this in front of a green room is uh, kind of comforting. <laughs> yeah. We're not, we're not quite there yet. Plus, when you wear green on accident and then you just look... Yeah, <laughs> things are like going through you. And I got this Kermit the Frog um, 
mug where he's a reporter. So it's Kermit the Frog here for the Muppet News, and he's got a little mm-hmm. microphone, yeah. and he's got the hat that says press, but of course Kermit's green. Right. So the first show, it's first couple half. shows, Kermit was I, on the green screen. I drink the water, and all you see was my hand. And I didn't realize it while we were doing it until after you saw it yeah. on the sh- you know on the replay. And I was like, Ooh, that's, that's a great. So he's on my, he's on my desk now. <laughs> yeah. Well, give us I guess give us a rundown. Like I know a fair amount about the volleyball mag story and how you guys kind of got it together, but I don't think our many of our listeners sort of know how you guys ended up being the owners of Volleyball Mag and, and like, the incredible growth that it's gone under in the last, like, three-and-a-half-ish years that you've had it. Yeah. Well, I mean, all culminated by the fact that we're now part of P1440, which is so exciting for us. Well, you start by telling them how you've been a beach volleyball player and subscribed to the magazine. Yeah, so I've subscribed since the beginning, which was about four years ago, and... It used to be this big newsprint thing you know, that came out. Like a physical magazine? Yeah, <laughs> well, was, yeah back in the day, it was, it was a big, thick magazine. It was, enormous. Magazine. It yeah. was enormous, and it was newsprint. Hmm. And in, in those days, it took about three months for the results to get out. So the U.S. would go to world championships, and you'd find out how they did in the magazine like two months later. Because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, nobody cares about volleyball in the 70s. Right, right. You know, so, you know, the sport grew, and as a Sport grows, the magazine grew, and um, one day, you know, we, we could tell that the enthusiasm for the magazine was dwindling because the pages got smaller and smaller. And now, smaller. are you going fast forwarding to now, like where we got to? I'm the getting money. to that. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, but you're missing out the whole point, though, that you would become a freelance photographer for the magazine for a very long time. Yeah. What, what year did you start? 2007, I started with the magazine. Yeah. So, and I had never even. Uh, oh, actually, I take that back because my wife is a former legendary high school volleyball coach. Tra- Travis has met Brenda, and She's of course, Ed has. And uh, she um, would get with the magazine would come, and I would look at it, but I never really gave it any any thought. You know, it's just like, you know, there it was. So he he was working for him the whole time. So in 2011 and 12, I wrote for NCA.com. So you remember when CBS made the big billion-dollar deal for the NCAA tournament. Yeah. And the, they tied in with TBS. Well, TBS is, and, and, and TNT and the True Network, the whole package, well, they're owned by Turner. Okay. And part of that deal was that NCAA.com went to Turner. The NCAA has nothing to do with NCAA.com. It's run by Turner. Well, a buddy of mine ran that whole operation. He hooked me up, and I freelanced for them for the whole year. So I got a couple of great volleyball stories that tie in. So anyway, I covered like 13 national championships, wrote like 90 stories. They spent $18,000 on me alone that one year on expenses, travel expenses. <laughs> I went everywhere. It was so much fun, and I got to write all sorts of volleyball stories. So I yeah. covered indoor women's championship, the NCAA men's championship, both water polos, the final four, the BCS, all the lacrosse championships up in Massachusetts, um, some D3 stuff. Anyway, getting to do all that and just having a great time. So in the spring of that year, in May, the men's championship, the Final Four, was at USC. And it was USC. UC Irvine won. That was the last year that John Sparrow was coaching UC Irvine with all okay. that speculation. I don't know if you Ooh. remember that. About, but, <laughs> he but, beat me in the national championship. Yeah, but you remember all that speculation that they were going to go to, that he was going to leave and take the UCLA job yeah, yeah, because... Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Um, the legendary coach at UCLA was retiring after 50 years. Al Skates and uh-huh. Spira was the guy going back, and 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 Fergie was coaching USC and called yep. him the Golden Boy, you know, in the <laughs> press conference to just jab him a little bit. Anyway, so and Sarah Hughes's brother, Connor, served a walk-off ace to win the national championship mm-hmm. in there. Anyhow, in the my, goal, Galen <laughs> Center, right? That was, yeah, yeah, yeah. So. As we're getting ready to play the semifinals, I'm seated. My <clears throat> here, here's midcourt, and my seat is here. And next to me is a, a woman named Aubrey, who is the editor of Volleyball Magazine. And we just made acquaintance. Now I didn't think anything of it because you know I was doing the NCA.com stuff. Well, I had never seen an, a men's volleyball match in person. My first match was going to be the national semifinals, so it's like an hour and a half before the match, and Hugh McCutcheon comes by, and he comes over and. We see each other, and you know, I knew him from. He was he had finished his first year in Minnesota, and we'd done interviews, and right. we we shake hands, we visited him, and he, he I could tell he was out of place, and I looked at him, and I said, "Hugh, you sneaked in here, didn't you?" And he goes, "Yeah," and he said, <laughs> "You don't have a credential or a, pa- or a place to sit, do you?" And he goes, "No," and I said, "Well, I happen to have two seats, and I'm not using one. Oh, that'd be great." My first men's volleyball match, I sat with Hugh McCutcheon. For the whole match. For the national championship? Or yes. Something. And that's how I learned more that day than you can possibly imagine. And what was really cool was to, for that was on, uh, like, say, I think it was Thursday, Saturday. That was Thursday. And then Monday, he had invited me to come down to Anaheim to the training center. Okay. And they were just a few weeks out from making cuts for the He was still the head coach of the U.S. national team yeah, the women's at that point. Team. Right. Yeah, they were oh, getting ready for the right. London okay. Olympics. Got it. And so I got to go after that to the training center. Anyway... I'm getting to the part where Ed jumps back in again. <laughs> no, but this is relevant because then the following July, I'm at USA Volleyball Nationals uh, as a club director, Volleyball Baton Rouge, and having a great time. And I'm talking to all sorts of college coaches and taking notes for all these stories I'm going to get to do in the fall. Yeah. And my guy from Turner calls and says, they're firing all the writers. They're not going to use anybody. They're getting rid of all of us. He kept his job, but all they cared about was the <laughs> Final Four and sports information directors were going to file stuff. And I was so bummed. Yeah. In August, all of a sudden, I was like, wait, I sat next to the editor of Volleyball Magazine. I sent her a note, Aubrey Everett, and said, I'm a free agent. Could you use me? And you guys have never seen the movie Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, but it's kind of like where he goes, well, considering I'm desperate and you're exactly what I need. (laughs) So that's how I got with the magazine. So I kept up with them. You know, I wrote you know four, five, six years as a freelance writer yeah. for Volleyball Magazine, which had a very limited website and it, a, a drastically diminishing print circulation, product. print population, and, and the magazine kept getting smaller. Yeah. And that's where Ed jumps in. Thank you for letting me <laughs> tell that story. But I thought that was relevant to explain <laughs> to you sure. know, how I got into the thing. Yeah. You know, yeah. So. So the magazine was shrinking. And we had a person on the inside, Megan Kaplan. And I put in a word with her that when the pain point gets the, gets the publication enough, let me know and we'll offer to buy it. So one day she hit that point, um, made a call. Hey, you guys interested in selling? And um, said yes. I'm, and, dri- I'm driving to Houston. Okay. You had started Destination Volleyball. Well, yeah, see, I, I had, uh, even though I was still writing for Volleyball Magazine, I had started that website called DestinationVolleyball.com so I could do more stuff just for the fun of it. Right. And I had decided to put together a team 
to put Volleyball Magazine out of business and take over. <laughs> no, seriously. And and we, we could have done it. I mean, I rounded up all the troops, and it was going to be, you know, I ponied up a bunch of my own money and had gotten all the plan. I'm driving to Houston. I'm on I-10. Ring, ring. And I look down. It's Ed Chan. And uh, what's happening? Oh, we can buy Volleyball Magazine. You want to buy it? I said, sure. He said, okay. And that was it. That was the business negotiation. <laughs> You know, and that's how we became publishing magnates. <laughs> so, how did you guys actually meet, though? Because you were because I was the photographer you? and he was the writer. So oh yeah, we and finally together at and women's mm-hmm. final fours. Okay. Generally, um, we started a tradition of uh, which you'll finally get to be a part of this yeah. year, where we have a Friday night dinner. Okay, um, where we we it's a big gathering. Um, it's at a place called Overeaton in Pittsburgh on Friday night, Love December Pittsburgh. 20th or whatever. Oh, I know. You have family there and friends yeah. there. So we have, but... Uh, you might get a few extra fans there now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What time? Please, <laughs> the reservation's <laughs> under... We're going to work it out. <laughs> so um, uh, we sat next to each other a couple of times, you know, and got to visit and got to know each other over the course of that time. And you couldn't have two people from two different worlds um, in, in so many virtual, physical, literal ways, yeah. you know, f- to be partners and good friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And so when he when he said, "Yeah, we can buy it," I was like, "Yeah, okay." Called my wife, said, "We're buying volleyball magazine." What's that mean? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. I've hated him ever since. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly. So, so we we immediately once we, once we acquired the assets and we immediately made the decision. You know, everything we've done is mutual. And, and we, we, we don't, we, we've no, gone, we've battled over a couple things and I usually win because my personality is so much stronger, <laughs> than strong about stuff. But, but we, uh, we, we agreed we had to kill the print. The print was, was negligible at that point. It's real cost, costly and everybody, people read, we, we know from Google Analytics that they're reading, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, something like 20% on a computer and 50% on an iPad and the rest on a phone. Right. Something like that. You know, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And we decided that we would change the focus to become the daily digital news source of volleyball. And with with limited resources that we hoped would, would grow. Right. And the sponsors. We, we recognize, you know, the, the, cat, the, the, you know, the main focus has to be women's indoor. Okay, that's the biggest thing. And then Pro Beach. And then women's college beach, and then you know somewhere in there becomes men's men's indoor. I love men's indoor. And Mick Haley, the legendary volleyball coach, Mondays with Mick. We do it every week. You should watch. But Mick <laughs> said years ago, he goes, "Athletic directors in America are missing the boat on men's volleyball. They could sell out arenas. People would just love it. It's such a great sport, and it's low budget. Yeah, yeah, I know, but it just can't gain any traction." If you're watching this and we write about men's volleyball, <laughs> click on it. Just look at it for a little while in the spring. You know, it's really tough. You know, because you played before um, crowds yeah. of, of dozens yeah. when you played. Dozens. Yeah. yeah. At we places sold where you, the front row of Galen Center. Yeah, where you, where you would think there would be so many people yeah. interested because the game is so exciting. It really is. It doesn't yeah. translate as well to television. Men's volleyball, not like the women's game, because it's because it's 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 so big and powerful. But when you right. see it in person, you see these kids touching twelve feet right. and hitting the living bejesus out of the ball, and then guys dig it. Yeah, Every right. time they dig a ball, I'm like, I when I go back it. to indoor, I'm always like, whoa, like, did I? Am I just gone from indoor? So my eyes not used to seeing it move that fast, or like, has the game? Like evolved since I've been in indoor. Yeah. Like I forget what it's like, and it's. Well, when was the last year you played indoor? I played uh, professionally in Puerto. Was it Puerto Rico last? Yeah, Puerto Rico in twenty 
12. Well, seven years is a long time in yeah. the evolution of any sport. But, you know, if you go back not that much farther than that and you think back to how, how, how short of a time ago we didn't have a libero, we didn't have first ball multiple touch, we didn't have guys and women playing the ball with their hands over their head on so many plays. I watched the gold medal yeah. point recently of... Uh, wasn't maybe like 80 Olympics or something when we won the gold. Sorry, I should know that. When we won uh, the U.S. national team won gold. Okay, 84. It might have been before that. Um, But the gold medal point, (laughs) it was like guys are digging it and then they just like standing there ready to set. It wasn't like anything, you know, they were out of system. It was just like stand there and set it straight over to the side and they were hitting the crap out of them. Those guys were athletic. It was a standing float serve for the gold medal point. I was like, <laughs> this is a lot different than if you watch it nowadays. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, the rally scoring is not as good as surf scoring. Surf scoring is a better game. Mm-hmm. But as somebody who was a club director for 20 years and who puts on volleyball tournaments for girls, I mean, I put on two big tournaments. It's really nice to know that basically within an hour, you're going to get a match finished. Yeah. Right. You know, oh, there's, there's so much to be said for that. But... Man, the sport was so exciting. You know, now, if you're down 24-20, once out of 50, 60, 70 times, you might come back. We are going to take a quick second to pause for a commercial break from our sponsors who keep the show moving forward, as always, as do you, the listeners. You guys are by far the most important part of this show. I just wanted to give a huge thank you to everyone who always says hi at the beach and says thanks for the show. Thanks for all the information for putting it out. And honestly, I almost feel bad taking gratitude and thanks because it's just a blast. It's an absolute blast for me and try to just talk volley. And it's an absolute blast to know that you guys are listening. So a huge thank you to you guys, the listeners. You are the reason that we do the show in the first place and the reason that it keeps going on. Uh, Another big reason is the fact that you are still supporting our sponsors, um, one of our favorites, obviously. The ball maker of them all, Wilson Volleyball. The AVP plays with it. The CBVA plays with it. The college girls play with it. Everyone plays with Wilson Volleyball, except for the FIVB, who uses them in Costa. But we're not going to worry about that for now, because for now, it's the end of AVP season, which means that your balls are probably a little bit beat up, and that you probably need some replacements. So order some at WilsonVolleyball.com and use our discount code, Wilson and sand for 20% off. All right, that'll get you a bunch of new volleyballs that you'll need heading into the off season at the end of season here uh, as it winds down. Our next sponsor, now all the Beats players listen to this, you need, you need something to do with all your prize money. Might as well go over to Pacific Coast Wealth Management, hit up our guys over there. They can help you out with a retirement portfolio. They can put your money in all the right spots. They're great guys. They know beach volleyball. They're the ones who help put on the Laguna Beach Open. So hit up our guys at Pacific Coast Wealth Management and talk to them about your finances today. And last but certainly not least of our sponsors, we have Firefly Recovery. And God bless those guys at Firefly because they are the only reason that my knees are still intact at this point in the season. Travel, you can, it, it isn't just a, a pain to travel anymore. You can actually recover while you travel. You can just strap them on your knees and it moves the blood flow around. So you, when you step off the plane, you're not all stiff and you don't need a full day or two to get ready to play. You are just ready to rock and roll as soon as you step off the plane. If you are an office worker, you can slap those things on while you're in the office and then it'll go. I've gotten a lot of messages about Firefly and how great they are. So give them a try today at Firefly Recovery. And now back to the show. You were down eleven to two in, in serve scoring. No sweat. It's yeah. all cool. Mm-hmm. We we chip away at this, right? Yeah. You know, 
Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. So and then the libero changed everything. Nets the ball hitting the net and going over changed everything. I mean, it's 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 in many ways a very different sport. Right. I think the biggest thing for me is first ball multiple hit and playing the ball with your hands uh, up over the over your Serving, head. Service yeah, but just the fact that anybody can do that. Oh, know, right, and, right. Uh, you know, when you when you played like as a kid, mm-hmm. guys didn't play with the ball up up here on right, first right, and right. second balls. Right. You yeah, know, you're right. I'm sure. Mm-hmm. And probably and you were a kid when the libero came in. I think so, yeah. Yeah. I want, like, the beach powers that be to stop watching the indoor game and try and, you look at the FIVB and they're like, all the rules changes they're making are trying to emulate the indoor game. I would, it would, like, break my heart if, like, you know, overhead touches, like, became legal, if, like, you could pass with your hands and serve receive, like they do in indoor. It my, would kill me. My game personally has evolved based on the rule changes. Like, we were talking about the other day, my hand setting, yeah. like, I used to be a disher. I used to dish it. Just get it out clean, and I loved it too. You know, you take a lot of pride in having no spin, a nice deep dish, coming out clean. But once I got on the world tour, and they started calling everything deep and absolutely nothing that's quick up top, I, I just started going. My hands are ugly now, which I used, I, I used to take pride yeah. in. Now I, I think at least, but it's all just quick. You yeah. Know? Well, you got to adapt to the rules. Like, do you remember three or four years ago, they ruled that it was okay for the setter. And, and this was, we applied this in girls' club volleyball for the setter to dig the ball out of the net. And if they made contact underneath digging the ball out, really? it was okay. It lasted for yeah. one year. No, so, I, I so, played with those yeah. rules. So we taught the girl, the young girl setters, we just go in there. Just go, yeah. just take go the whole girl with yeah. you and clear yeah. it out so the ball doesn't hit the floor. Mm-hmm. And I knew it was wrong, right. you know, but it was like, that's what the rules are allowing. Yeah. So it's not a net unless it's at the top of the tape. That was the rule, right? Mm hmm. For yeah, a little while. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It was it was crazy. Yeah. yeah. But that's any sport. They're all gonna evolve and I think all the old school personalities are always gonna hate it. Like, oh you're taking out the you know, I'll give you the one like the I, art of the game. I liked it so much better in sports when the umpires were God. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right and wrong or indifferent, out, safe, right, but whatever. Yeah. And now, think how much time of our lives is spent watching replays in sports. Especially in volleyball, right. they short, they fight wars in shorter times now to decide a touch call <laughs> in a women's game on a replay. Oh, totally! You know? <laughs> and it's only going to get better and worse mm-hmm. depending well, on. Well, now we have the replay system in place, yes. so that's more commercial time for yeah. us. For uh, but it's working. The replay system, I yeah. will say, it works. Yeah, just for one court though, right? It's only on yeah, stadium, it's stadium for bigger events. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, they don't. But do it's they awesome. have it four stars. Um, I've only ever seen no. it at the major. Yeah, okay. I think only the big ones. Got it. But it, it's a great system, and it works. Yeah. That, that's the thing. Like, our sport happens so quick, and there's so much bang-bang happening. Like, there's a lot of missed calls. And we're all, you know, programmed to just be like, no, no, no yeah. touch it. And then you walk back to your partner, touched it. And then you <laughs> high-five, and you go serve. <laughs> but, I mean... I think it's good that, that those calls are being changed. I would, like, I would like to see occasionally, like, a player just, I touched it. Come on, give them the point. Everybody saw it. They do. You do know? Some people do that, right? Yeah. <laughs> there was, well, it was pretty funny, and um, something kind of similar happened in Hawaii. I was playing uh, Rosie and Brian Cook in the final round of the qualifier, and they called me on the set. They, the ref said it was a lift, and Rosie, like, was like, dude, that shouldn't have been a lift. Like, that set was fine. He told me, he was like, that was a good set. And he was like, 
I'm going to take the point, but that's, that's fine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Knowing that you can't change the call now, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go ahead and give you that one. There are guys though, who will, like, like you'll, you'll see them on the World Tour where, like, if a ball is, like, sort of questionable, whether it's in or out, like, and they know that like, the ref comes and checks the mark, they'll just call it in. Like, you build up some honesty points, so then when you, when you like, might, you know, oh, yeah. you peel off your fingertips, you no, 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 I'm honest, I told you. Right. Yeah. Games, I mean, gamesmanship's <laughs> a big part of sports. Oh, yeah, 100%. No doubt about that. Yeah. And the problem is when the ref lets you dictate it, you know? Some of the veteran players, I feel like the refs will, like, let them talk or let them take their, oh, well, I don't want to piss off this player, so I'm just going to kind of let them talk to me and then let them do their own thing. And... I mean, really, they're just using and abusing the ref and the rules. Well, that was like uh, one of my favorite books was called The Jordan Rules. It's all about Michael Jordan. <laughs> oh, yeah. for you can, sure. There's you know, double entendre there, uh-huh. The Jordan Rules yeah. or The Jordan Rules. Uh-huh. You, know, <laughs> you know, It's like Tom Brady too, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Brady got his, some, a few rules changed in his favor. Yeah, absolutely. It's a tuck rule, and now like anybody, if you look at Brady the long way, and he goes down from you the passer, hit, you hit <laughs> below the knees. Well, that was basically him, right? Because yep. he got rolled up on. Meanwhile, back to volleyballmag.com. Yeah. No, well, one. right. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you guys did buy it, though, like, I mean, what was the mindset when you you bought? It? You were like, okay, well, like now what type thing? Like, did you look at it as a, like a, a viable business thing, or were you was this just like because you mentioned you just like had a lot of fun? writing these stories and like you were starting destination volleyball i can't imagine you'd be like i'm gonna start this to make millions in media because like you look at two two ventures that you're not gonna make a ton of money in that's journalism and volleyball and you combine the two you know thank <laughs> yeah, you for pointing that sports out photography. <laughs> yes <laughs> well Ed, ed's got a business right. called vbshots.com mm-hmm. where i'm mm-hmm. trying sure try his book plenty of pictures of himself from you and if he has any yeah, shit. i appreciate it but um, you know i appreciate all v- the shots vbshots.com <laughs> but yeah, so we, you know, I gave up the destinationvolleyball.com and vbshots.com got m- merged into volleyballmag.com. And so there it was. And like I said, we, our, our goal, and we agreed upon this, was we were going to try to make it a daily digital news source about volleyball. Yeah. So we started with, we launched our new website, which was just fabulous, right before the 2016 Olympics. And I never imagined that my life for two weeks was going to consist of Three TVs, a laptop, an iPad on basically you know, 18 hours a day. I watched every single beach and indoor men's and women's match of the 2016 Olympics. Every match. Every single Not one. every American match. Every match. Wow. And I recorded. I took notes all day, and then I would wake up crack of dawn or that night or whatever I had energy for, and then I would write up the stories. And that's how we covered the Olympics. And then he... You know, he he jumped in on, you know, some of the stuff, and I don't remember if we had other people helping us. And I remember just thinking when it was over, wait, this is done, and now NCAA women's season's about to start. <laughs> yeah. oh. So what I do there is, you know, I look at every single NCAA women's box score every single day. I do the same thing for the men's during the during the spring, because I don't want to miss one important match or one phenomenal performance. There's that kid who gets 37 kills, and you just you right. know for. East Jackass Flat State U, and you have no idea how, who this was. And if you don't follow it, that, you know you don't want you don't want to be that. So then you know, of course, and we we, we did feature stories, and um, you know, Ed jumped in. Ed had never been a writer, 
you know, and my joke with him is, as a photographer, he as a writer, he was a really good photographer. Yeah. But it's a craft that he's had to learn and, and right. gotten very Still good at. Still not a writer. No, but, but, <laughs> but he had never interviewed people with the idea that, um, well, I'm not only going to, like, feed a quote to somebody. Wait, I'm going to save all these quotes to write stories. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we've had tremendous response to some of the stories. And he's done now college um, indoor uh, stories, but, you know, mostly on the be- the beach stuff. You know, re- really good stuff. But so the second year, or maybe later that spring, so let's see, we took over in 16, so it might have been the, must have been the spring of 17. And I got, I drove to uh, Gulf Shores, Alabama in May to cover the NCAA Women's Beach Championships, which I love. It was a super event. And that site was yeah. awesome. Yeah. It's great. No, it's good. And um, a friend of mine named Kyle Blackburn, who lives in Baton Rouge, or now has moved, but uh, had coached volleyball Baton Rouge for me and is a beach guy who Travis knows, he calls me and he says, have you seen this website called Paper Courts and this guy <laughs> Travis who's writing? And I said, no. And I had flipped on my computer. I'm in the, pre- the media tent there. And I flip it on and I read it and I went, this is incredibly good stuff. I, I sent a, an email to the address there and I said, call me. And a few minutes later, Travis B. Werger called me. <laughs> and I said, you're going to work for me. And it's like, you know, who are you? Whatever, you know. And I said, you know, and so we exchanged stories and I you know, you started writing stuff for us. Yeah. And I told Ed it would be just a matter of time before we lost you. Well, if you remember too, that, that year you started doing stuff for uh, um, uh, a, a major media outlet like Yahoo or somebody. Yeah. You, you did a bunch of stuff like uh, mainstream football and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And, but every once in a while he'd come back and he'd still be doing stuff with us. And then somewhere along the line we started Sandcast and then P1440 came calling, which was you know, great opportunity. Yeah. So the single best part about the merger, well, you know, the money was good, but, um, <laughs> but was, you know, I said, well, we get Travis back. So, you know, you're finally able totally. to write stuff for volleyballmag.com and we're able to put things on both websites and it's really good. I mean, this guy is a, is a, a really good sports writer and a good writer in general. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've written some unbelievable stuff. And when, when you get a little emotional and corny, it's even better. But like, <laughs> not, not tonight, thank you very much. But you know, but you know what I'm saying, Try totally. I mean, the guy, the guy's good. Oh yeah, yeah. for and, sure. And uh, you know, I heard you wrote a book. One of these days, I need to yeah. read, read the damn thing. <laughs> um, but so that was just one of the things that happened. Yeah. You know, along the way, we've got other people. We've got two former. Editors of Volleyball Magazine, Mike Myosga lives in Chicago, and Megan Kaplan, who lives in Austin, who both yeah. write for us. And we've got other people circulated around the country. Chris Tobolsky used to be with PrepVolleyball.com, has now picked up juniors and high school coverage for us. And um, we've got a guy named Guilherme Torres, who lives in uh, Columbus, Ohio, is Brazilian, whose English is unbelievable, and has started to cover Brazilian stuff for us. And his first story was fascinating. He wrote about a men's player named... Uh, you're going to have to help me here. Leal, Yoandi Leal, who's from Cuba, but has joined the Brazilian men's indoor team. Ah. And what he did was he, he interviewed him by Skype in Portuguese and wrote the story in English, but used the video interview in Portuguese on the story. So we can try to appeal to both audiences because the Brazil volleyball passion totally. and number of people Huge. is so big. Mm-hmm. Now he, he's did, he did something on the uh, women's team and he's got more things coming. And of course, you know, in beach volleyball, it's just crazy um, the, the way they're churning out. I mean, they, oh, could, yeah. they could go one, two, three and, you know, both sides yeah. next summer in Tokyo. It's, you know, you could, they're crazy. <laughs> the last things. quad was even crazier. They can only go one, yeah. two, right? Because there's only two countries. Two, yeah, they can right? only go one, right. two. Yeah, yeah. But right. they, they could conceivably. Totally. You know. Although I don't, 
I can see it happening on the women's side. I think in the men's side, it's going to be pretty pretty darn hard right now to beat either the Norwegians or the Germans. Yeah. And the Russians. Which Russians? Krasnikov. The world champs. Oh. Yeah. Mm. World champs. And world if Tour you Fox. had to put money on the... Besides your team... Um, you already knew my answer. Yeah. Besides <laughs> your team. No. Um, uh, the, the, money the, two guys from, the two guys from Norway. Yeah, you, you know. it would be stupid not to put money, your money on Norway. For sure, but yeah. I honestly like would not be. Look at World Champs, you know, yeah. they do have less experience than a, yeah. a lot of these other teams, and when it comes down to it, and you are the favorite by far, and you're supposed to go in it, you know, things change. You Veterans guys, yeah. can uh, can do oh. things in the moment that that can change things for people who haven't been there before. I think you've probably addressed this maybe on the show, and you know, I, I need I, I'm hoping the two of you even write about this more, but. On the United States side, where does it stack up right now? Who gets? Who's going to be the two teams? Who's in the lead? How, who, who would be? You know, is anybody a leader in the clubhouse at this point? I think if like if you look at it, me and Try kind of talked about it earlier. Where at the, maybe the halfway point of the summer, it would be as if like Try and Trevor were six under par, and like Phil and Nick were two under, and Jake and Taylor were even. Where like it's a nice lead to have, but like you're just two days in, so it didn't really mean anything. Right, it didn't mean a whole lot. And then now I think it's pretty much like because I averaged it out where if if everybody were to have twelve finishes, that it's basically they're almost in the exact same <coughs> spot. It's like a dead tie right. between those three. And like there's only really three men's team in the race, whereas like everybody else kind of dropped off. Whereas the women's side, you have April and Alex who like it would take like something drastic or like really bad for them not to be in the Olympics. And then you have like four teams who like have a pretty legit shot at that second spot. So the women's race is like kind of is like insane for how deep it is whereas the guys it's just like a three horse race. So what do you got to do? How many you got to get win? better at volleyball? <laughs> <laughs> that's what I got. More medals. Well, <coughs> number 1, I got to stay healthy. That's that's been right. the main thing. Um, but I meant in terms of like you do you have to win, do you have to just finish so it's, good. So it's a, it's a to... point it's a points race, which yeah. is kind of boring, I think. Um, but yeah, so it's your best. It's your best twelve finishes right. from this whole past season to all until up until June twenty twenty, and uh, I think that's about. There's about seven events out. I, I got to see the schedule, but it's not out yet. It's not official, and it always changes. But there'll be about seven events. Nothing in America. Nothing in America, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, it's all about points. Basically, whoever has the highest average finish is, is going to go. And right now it's a three-horse race, so two of the three are going to go. Same thing as last quad. Uh, Hayden and I ended up being the third team, but it was really between Nick and Phil, Jake and Casey, Hayden and I. Um, but I don't want to be in that position this time around. See, in, in swimming, in track and field, for example, you can miss going to the Olympics by one one-hundredth of a second in an event. Mm-hmm. Because they have trials, right? And totally. it's part of it. You can get sick that day, and it, it, you know, it happens. Yeah. But in beach volleyball, it's the damnedest thing. You don't have trials. It's just this year-long, um, you know, lifetime achievement award for the last three years. Yeah. You know, right. picking up. And I personally have problems with that. I would rather see a tournament, an FIVB-style tournament. And like, can I get on my soapbox now about you know? a non-beach guy watching the beach and trying to understand. Oh, I appreciate it. The AVP's it. stacked. Okay, I think the AVP's done a fantastic job. 
the, the Amazon Prime is great. Right. I love what they're doing. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Barney and Cameron Irwin, they've, they've, they just do such a great job. Um, I love the freeze rule. I think that's a fantastic thing that they put in. But I don't like the fact that the top four teams basically get to sit back and, and watch people beat their brains out for two days before they really have to do anything. And it's so unfair that nobody, I say nobody, you know, a one in 15 shot has a chance of coming out of the qualifier and even getting to Saturday, it seems like. Yeah. You know, because, and the, the, the wear and tear, whatever. Anyway, so that's my soapbox. So what I love about the big FIVB majors is that there's pool play. Just yeah. like girls, juniors. You got you to gotta play. You got to play everybody. And then your success or failure, equal for everybody up and down the, the, the field, determines whether you get to the next round. Right. Not because you just did well previously and you're sitting there waiting. You know? Mm-hmm. And at the end of the season, I'd be curious to know how many times, like, Phil and Nick had a jump this year compared to Travis, you know, yeah. In, you know, think about how many times you just had a jump and swing on Thursdays. Yeah. You know, compared yeah. to them playing, oh, well, we won. How are we going? It was good. Thank We got there late. We won. Okay, let's go. What do you want? Where do you want to have dinner? <laughs> let's watch some video. Get, get a good night's sleep. You know, to be I'm fair, be- Nick and Phil are jumping on Thursdays for FIVBs and then flying overseas. Right. All right, everyone. We're going to take a little commercial break here to. Uh, bring up a topic that is important to us. Uh, we ha- here have a, our guest, Kelsey Brandon. She's the founder of Volley for Sound, which is an event that is put on to increase awareness about hearing loss and the stigma that deaf individuals face. Um, Kelsey's here to tell us about uh, the organizations that she supports and, uh, more importantly, an event that's going on right here in the South Bay of Los Angeles, uh, which is called Volley for Sound, and uh, it's going on October 19th down here, and anyone's uh, invited to uh, come and, and join. And what it is, is, I actually got to compete in it last year. A bunch of the pros come, and they're auctioned off, and the, and the event is raising money for these organizations, and um, the pros get to play with the players and the people that come in and, and buy teams. And um, it, it's just a really fun day, and uh, it's for a good cause. So Kelsey's going to tell us more about it. Hey, everybody. Uh, so, yeah, basically, Volley for Sound is about raising awareness for uh, the hearing loss and also to eradicate the stigma that young deaf children face every day. And uh, in this tournament, it's very unique. Uh, you'll be required to wear earplugs while playing to help you better understand the difficulties of hearing loss uh, that people face, like me, every day. Uh, and then for added fun, we have a professional volleyball player auction where teams of boys, co-ed boys, have an opportunity to buy a professional volleyball player to play on their team. And uh, yeah, it's a great way to help raise awareness. And this tournament is also in honor of my hearing specialist, who recently uh, passed away this past Christmas, and I felt so um, grateful for all the services and uh, resources I've received from her and from the community I really wanted to give back. So I decided to put on this event um, to help uh, the community. So, uh, yeah, and that's basically what this tournament is about. So I hope you guys can all come on out and support 
And if you can't be there to be uh, present, uh, we do have a raffle and talent auction uh, to support. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, so come on down and, and support. We had a great time last year, so mm-hmm. thanks for inviting yeah. me. It was really cool, actually. Cool perspective to play with earring pl- hearing uh, earplugs in and, and kind of take out that sense. And we don't realize that, you know, a lot of us take that for granted. Yeah. Um, and so just playing a sport where where communication is really important, uh, it's actually sure. quite entertaining to see people try to deal with it without being able to talk. Um, so, yeah, thanks for uh, putting on the event. Everyone come down. And um, also, where can people find more information? Uh, yeah, you can or find. Sign up. Yeah, they can uh, find more information uh, on our website, uh, volleyforsound.com, or Google it. Uh, we also have a Facebook page, Volley for Sound. It's the number four in the middle, uh, Volley for Sound. And uh, just reach out to me. It's just form a team of fours, and we're more than happy to help if you're anybody to form a team. Love it. So again, that's Volley, the number four, sound.com. And, uh, yeah, put a, put a team together and uh, come down. It'll be really fun. Yeah. And that is October 19th. What time does it start? Uh, it starts at 8 a.m. That's second. So be ready for all-day fun. The beach has been beautiful lately, so uh, it's, it's, a, it's definitely a good time. Come on down. We appreciate it. Mm-hmm. And now back to the show. To get back to the AVPs, which is a whole nother story. Isn't it the other way around normally, it seems like? On Sundays, people finish here and then they're sprinting from an AVP event to an airport to go fly to Moscow or someplace, you know? Yeah, Yeah. that's what I was going to say. And, you know, Phil and Nick, I'm not not riding on you guys. I'm just using it as an example. They love it. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I will say, like, from my standpoint, I look at it and, like, they've earned that spot to be relaxing. And that's just kind of the like to relax and that's just kind of the way it is i do love like for a 24 team draw i think modified pool would be the best way to do it because you look at it so I, this has happened to me twice in a row in hermosa where i've won my first main draw match move forward to play a team we've got to buy then i lost and it's i go back to as if i had lost my first match i didn't move forward at all i just like same place and i yeah. look at it, i'm like damn like now i gotta play these guys who like have been off for like eight hours because they lost their first match and like they've been resting and then like you know i just got pounded by ed and rafu so i you know <laughs> like so I, I think a 24 team draw modified pool play would be great but like 32 teamers there's no buys uh 16 teamers there's no buys just the 24 teamers it's kind of a strange deal but to your point about olympic trials we there was an Olympic trial in '96, and this is if you talk to Randy Stoklos and Adam Johnson about it, they will say that no Olympic trials ever because in their so their qualifying match, Randy Stoklos was hitting a warm up serve, landed on a ball and sprained his ankle and like pretty much couldn't jump in that match, lost and then had like the next was in the losers bracket had another shot to qualify, but his ankle was like mm. toast and then lost to Karchin Kent, so. But I think if, like, him and Adam had played, you know, for two years on the FIVB or whatever, he probably would have made it because, like, they were really good. Have you ever had Adam on this? We have. Because he, he coaches girls' club volleyball. Yeah, down in, club in Austin. And I met him on the circuit and over the years in a visit with him. It's too bad he's short on opinions. <laughs> <laughs> um, what an interesting fellow, though. Yeah. 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 He was a good player. But, they were so really good team. Deep, th- oh, go ahead. Well, I think the system... I think it'd be better for our sport to have the trials. 
you know, it's more exciting. It's something for our fans to watch. And more importantly, it will get those top four teams you're talking about home for all the AVPs. Yeah. Now we don't have to rely on um, the world tour to decide who goes to the Olympics. Now we own that as the U.S. And we can give our U.S. fan base that value. Uh, and I think for me, it's it's like depressing. I feel like I haven't played on the AVP tour. I've never played a full season except for my first year on tour. And uh, even when I mean, me and Hayden won Team of the Year in 2015, and we didn't even play in all the events. We had won, I think we had won the most or something. So we won that, but like the rankings and like what fans are seeing on the AVP is never real, mm-hmm. like the stats or anything, because. Half the team, or all the top teams, weren't even there. So if someone has 100 blocks, and the other guy, and one of the top guys has 60, well, that that top guy had three blocks per set, just to get to that 60. But the other guy played three times as many sets, so he's going to have more blocks. And I think that kind of stuff is confusing for our fans. And if we can own that Olympic um, value, like that entertainment value of that, well, I mean, I think it'd be when you watch. The U.S. Olympic track and field trials, or the U.S. Olympic swimming trials, or in any sport, it's it's gripping. Usually, yeah. it can be tougher than the Olympics. It's not fair though, and it's not necessarily going to get our best team to the Olympics. I will say that because anyone can win one event. Not anyone can be a top ranked team on the world tour, and and it's been proven over the last yeah. however long, like since I've been on tour. There's been certain individuals who have been in the main draw the whole time and certain individuals who have been trying to get there, and they can't. And if you can't, pr- you can't even make a main draw or prove that you can get on the podium once throughout a season, then you're probably not going to go get the U.S. A, a medal at the Olympics. But you could earn that spot. Well, the one thing, too, in, in, in your sport that nobody else has to contend with is the weather. Yeah, right. You know, totally. The, the wind can make volleyballs do strange things. So oh, yeah. I would I would suggest that if we ever get, did go back to Olympic trials for beach volleyball, that it be conducted indoors in a big arena. I think that would be really right. cool. I think I would but say that's a, my dream like trial system is just have the AVP season be your trial. That would be amazing. So you'd have mm. say eight events. I'll bet the AVP would like that. You yeah. have you have to stay together as a team. It's like similar to how Hawaii was seated this year where your main draw was seated off of your points in the gold series as a main draw team. Um, so you, you have teams actually staying together. So you can get behind a team, not everybody's like switching up. And the Olympic race is at home. So like you go to Manhattan Beach, which is late in the year and you have say four teams in the Olympic race. Well now the stakes are like a lot higher than just, I mean, your name on the pier is one thing, but name on the pier and an Olympic race, then you have a whole nother thing. And now you like capture not just the beach volleyball market, but you might get tap into that Olympic market too. That, that's the key right there, I think, is, is having the AVP be, our domestic tour be the Olympic race. Problem is you have to get USA Volleyball on board and their funding comes from the USOC. So USOC has to be on board in terms of is this the best way to get us medals? And we still want our players playing on the world tour because that's what they want. They want that international success. Well, that's right? where the money is, too. You make so, so much more money if you right. finish high in an FIVB event. Well, well it's, now it's money switching. Is pretty good. Yeah. So like it's changing now. Like bigger than a four-star money-wise. That's good. Yeah, the world tour yeah. is, is weak right now. And the AVP is just like getting the really AVP strong. AVP is great. Yeah. We'd rather stay home. To be there's the issue of the ball too, because the that Casa <laughs> right. is way different than yeah, right. Wilson for sure. Right, and everybody likes the Wilson. 
Yeah, so I was <laughs> <laughs> so that's what I would love to see. The I think a big obstacle with that would be to get the FIVB on board because do have, they need to be on board? They, though? they don't need to be. You know, you know whatever the USOC the I, says. Like Brazil, well, does, Brazil does their own thing, but Brazil still has to earn their two spots. They do the it through the world through tour. the world tour. So we would still have to earn our yeah, spots through it, the world tour. But the, right. the individual company country can decide who the two entrants are. If so, you have to have your two teams, like two teams ranked in the top 20, or 16 or top 25 on the world tour to assure your country two spots. Top 15. Okay, top 15. So we would still need teams to be doing performing on the world tour in order to say have the AVP season as our Olympic. Do you see why I say all the time beach volleyball is like herding cats? Right, <laughs> exactly. There's just so Between, many chefs in the kitchen. I know. And the other thing that blows me away about beach volleyball is how many partners so many people have yeah. had and how they'll end up being partners. We've had that somebody. conversation. <laughs> <I'm sure. laughs> oh, you can't not. How many yeah. have you had as a pro? Two. Just two? Just you and... I'm you dedicated. Know. Wow. Pick them good and stick with them. Good. Yeah. Yeah. My BBB, this is like three pages long. <laughs> well, well, when I started, actually, I guess I had like a few guys, but that's like trying to break in, you know? Yeah. It's a little different. Yeah. And if uh, I got scooped by hiding, I'd probably cling on him too. Right, yeah. So. yeah. <laughs> I wasn't planning on breaking up with him after 2016. Well, you had the nerve to get sick. Right, yeah. 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 What are you feeling? You good? I've been good, yeah. Finally, well, yeah, finally feeling good. I was just starting to feel good uh, on the world tour until I uh, broke my hand, <laughs> punched uh, a pad. Did you really? Is that how you did it? Yeah. Out of a frustration of a play? No, out of celebration of winning in in front of the home crowd in Vienna. <laughs> I can't tell if that's better or worse. You know, I'm proud that it wasn't out of frustration, but it's just as stupid. <laughs> I don't know There's why I keep telling that story. <laughs> I know. I feel like, yeah, if I was so happy, I, there's a few things out there that I could <laughs> go after. We won't get into that. That's uh, that's special. <laughs> By the way, I hadn't seen you in a long time because Travis well, and I talk on the phone a lot and we email and text with each other. But yeah, it's quite the since since I'm out here, I'll say that's quite the gnarly beard. Yeah, you know, and, yeah, um, good California. Yeah. Yeah, except for the, the the hole on the side over there. What's up with that? Like, right, you know, yeah, I know. I have some random patches missing. I know. So. That's it. Yeah. But Delaney likes the beard, so the beard stays. Oh, oh, oh there <laughs> we go. go. Little scruffy, scruffy. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, Ed, with you, like with sports photography, kind of circling back. Oh yeah, yeah. With volleyballmag.com. Yes. <laughs> How do you get into, like, one, sports photography in general, but, you know, because you grew up in Northern California, um, and then how did you kind of narrow that focus into volleyball and, like, beach volleyball, I feel like, is kind of where your passion really lies? So, yeah, I've, I've been a big volleyball fan since 1976, and in 1978, I went to this enormous grass volleyball tournament, the Berkeley Open probably over 150 nets. And I thought, this tournament is really cool. Wouldn't it be great to have some photos of this? So I walked about four blocks to a local camera shop, picked up a Canon or a Pentax K1000 and a Sologore lens and shot volleyball just randomly. You know, I'd used my parents' cameras before, but that was the first time I had owned a camera and kept shooting ever since. And I owned a volleyball facility up in Sacramento for a few years, so that gave me something to always shoot, and right. people love seeing their pictures, yeah. 
So I did that for a long time before moving down here. And then, of course, this is heaven for beach volleyball. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you just kind of went, went from there? Yeah, just kept shooting. Did you go to school for photography, or did you just, like, is it all self-taught? Uh, it's pretty much self-taught other than, you know, an eighth-grade photography class. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> nice. And nowadays on the Internet, you can, you know, you can learn a lot by seeing, seeing how other people work. Yeah. Um, and every, there are no secrets. You know, you can reverse engineer a photo, see where people are setting up, right. how they're shooting, yeah. and so on. You were in the business world. Yeah, real estate broker. Not ah. that fun. <laughs> well, you fit in the beach volleyball world just fine then, because after beach volleyball, everyone just gets into real estate. It's just kind of the way it goes. Yeah, so. yeah I guess I <laughs> went the other way. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no. Reversed it. What are some of the highlights of, of your career? It's, it's interesting to me that you've been around it for so long. That's like a really unique perspective that you, that you bring. So one was Beijing 2008. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't credentialed. Um, but there was down in one corner of the arena, there was this really loud bank of speakers. And it was right in front of the really expensive corporate seats in the first row. So people could not sit there for three hours. Right, you right. just could not. I mean, but so they always moved somewhere else. So I could always go shoot there, you know, and I'd buy the cheapest seats I could find from some Chinese scalper. You know, <laughs> and I would work my way down you know, seven rows at a time in order right. not to get busted and kicked out. Uh-huh. So I got to that front row and I could cheat there the whole time. And I, um, Phil, Phil and Todd were in a third set against Brazil. I made an amazing comeback. I think they were down 11-4 or something right. in the third. And then Phil put on a blocking clinic on Marcio and he pretty much retired right then. <laughs> <laughs> But and I have a great shot of him over and just stuffing Marcio and the balls. Marcio can see the ball down at his chest, and that's my favorite photo for yeah. sure. So. Those photos I've seen of that Olympic Games was like Phil was just an absolute freak of nature. He was getting up so high. Yeah. Like now you can you can kind of see it with Anders gets up like that, but like Phil. Young Phil was ridiculous how high he was getting. Like, and that balls. was in a period where there weren't that many people. People didn't know how to play against that, for presence. sure. When I first yeah. came out, I didn't know how to play against that. So I first came out, I was hitting the normal shots, and it's like, that wasn't supposed to be within your reach. Okay, I'll just go over. Oh, you can swat that too. Okay, I guess I have to change my entire game. But now there's a bunch of them, like you said. And back then, I can't imagine, like, guys dominating the tour and then Phil comes out and you're just like you just can't play the same style of volleyball anymore because he's such a freak yeah every year we, I get Ed to do his, the, you know, his top 10 favorite photos mm-hmm. and beach photos and he puts them together at the end of the year and it's really spectacular yeah uh, but but there's two photos in particular that we've run and, and used one was a Penn State uh, winning a national championship and there's a couple photos around at the penultimate moment of the celebration and you look at them and you go, those are really good photos. But Ed's is just that much better. And it's, it's just a little bit. But when you look at it and you go, wow, our picture is so much better than their picture. And then there's a picture of Stanford winning last year. That There's a, there's a picture out there that shows Catherine Plummer coming in from the left and she's jumping in. All the emotions, the picture's almost identical. But Ed's picture 
has Catherine Plummer a split second after that with her ponytail flying up in the air. Mm -hmm. I mean, you look at the picture and you go, wow, this picture's so much better than the other picture. Yeah. So that's the kind of stuff that he does. But how many pictures do you shoot in an average AVP weekend? Probably 10,000, 10,000. I'd put the over under at 2,000. Holy cow. Yeah. That's so good. Man, you gotta like editing. What? Well, I, I try to clean them up as much as I can. I right. usually go home with about three thousand. Okay. I'll process around fifteen hundred and around nine hundred. We'll get to my website if ever. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. See, wow. So you guys talking about Phil um, and the first volleyball match, beach volleyball that I ever went to outside of like just going to Mangoes in Baton Rouge. Yeah. We we were in Berlin on vacation. Brenda and I went to uh, Berlin for a few days, and we were taking a little boat tour. And uh, You've been to Berlin, probably. Yeah, I'm hoping yeah. you're talking about your it. first win, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> this has been like 11, 12 years ago. It wouldn't have been that long no, ago. No, no, no. Damn. So. 2014, I played in Berlin. Oh, it was way before then. Anyway, the, the boat goes around this curve in the river, and I said to her, and it was a cool boat tour. You could drink beer and stuff on the boat. You yeah. had to watch and stuff. And it's just this river in the city. And I said to her, volleyball. She goes, what? And I said, listen. And, you know, there's a cadence to volleyball whistles. Totally. She goes, you're right. And we come around the corner, and there, set on the banks of this river, is a big FIVB volleyball tour. I didn't know anything about it. So anyway, the boat goes back, and I get back in, in the hotel, and I'm looking at the internet, and I go, oh, there's a big beach tour here tomorrow. I mean, tomorrow's the finals. You want to go? And it was just the women's final and the men's final. And she was like, yeah, let's go, you know. I mean, Brenda was a big-time volleyball coach. She yeah. played beach, but, and I had never seen a beach one. So we, we go, and it was free. We walk right in, and you get these amazing seats. Everyone's always the surprised. When <laughs> well, it's the biggest. Wait, oh, so can you give me tickets? Like, it's, it's the biggest free. mistake they've ever free? made. Yeah. Oh, how great can it be then? Yeah, but that's, one, that's, <laughs> right? that's the biggest mistake that volleyball right. ever made. Well, volleyball. they're still making it, so you there's got to be a reason. It should have been, even if it cost a quarter. It's because they're know? scared not to have the stands filled. Well, so I we think. watch, and I remember being so impressed with uh, Phil, who was... A, a new, a, you know, a new face on the on the yeah. on, in the sport at that time. I think at that level. Totally. And then I got to watch Kerry Walsh Jennings and Misty May play, and I think they beat a Chinese pair in the final. And I will tell you, I've covered, I've covered everything. Okay, I've been lucky enough as a sports writer. I mean, I've covered at the NBA at the highest levels, you know, Major League Baseball, the NFL. I've, Seen international soccer. Shaq at Yeah, I mean, I, we tell that whole story another time, but <laughs> Misty May is among the most spectacular Jordan-esque athletes I have ever seen in person. Her ability to fall down in the sand and get back up at a high level faster than any... It, it's, it, was, it was incredible. Did you ever get to play, like, nearby and see her play? Or yeah, her she, but she was kind of, like, dipping in every once in a while, post-kids, just because she could. Mm. Like no, yeah. not yeah. like legit Misty. But I, got, I, you know, I, I got to watch. It, it was growing she, up. She was the most explosive, yeah. fast switch muscle fiber. Now the, her partner wasn't bad. Harry's <laughs> okay. pretty damn good, yeah. you know. And but but a different position and a different body type. Yeah. And Misty, I've never forgiven her for costing us at least two indoor gold medals by turning to the beach. She <laughs> was that sure. good. Yeah. She was that good. If you never seen, if you didn't see her play at Long Beach State. And you've never seen the videos. I'm telling you, she was a one-person wrecking crew. And on the, I, I remember just thinking it was the most amazing thing I've ever seen. Um, 
because I was just so taken aback by it. I mean, yeah. I'd seen Michael Jordan play, and I would put her athletically in that category. Yeah. You know? And then, um, since we're not on a time frame here, I can just... So afterwards, the match ends, and it was like this... You know how they make those beach complexes? And right yeah. across is a train station. I love European train stations. They're That's where we play, yeah, right yeah. in front of the train right. station. And I said to Brenda, I said, let's go to the train station because I want to look around, and I need to use, use the restroom anyway. So we go over there, and... Uh, um, we come out of the bathrooms, and in the train station is where they're doing the post-match news conference, yeah. in the train station. And we walk over, and there's two um, interviewers talking to Carrie and Misty, who would immediately, you know, they take their, you know, wraps, and so they had their, you know, like, right. kind of dressed up for the interview. Yeah. And Misty was asked a question about um, liking coming to Berlin, and she gave some answer, and the interviewer wanted more and looked at her, and Misty goes, and world peace. <laughs> and we busted out laughing, me and Brenda, but nobody else laughed because nobody else got it, right? And Carrie looks down at us and goes, you American? And uh, it's like, yeah. So afterwards, they came over, and we visited, and we turned out we had a lot of mutual friends and stuff from volleyball and meet, met with them. And for my TV show, they actually cut a promo that was really funny, Carrie and Misty did. And uh, that was my first pro beach volleyball tournament. Not a bad Yeah, it was pretty funny. We had this great get conversation. Get to meet the greatest team in so, history of team sports. And they were so <laughs> funny, you know. They were so good for the sport, not only because of their ability. Like, I mean, you take Phil, his physical ability and, and his dominance. You could, you could compare the two. But what they did off the court and the, the level that they reached as American professional athletes, like, that raised our sport so much. Mm. Well, you know, I, I've been around Kerry under a lot of different circumstances long before we became part of P1440 um, at, at NCAA Final Fours, at uh, the beach championships for the NCAA. And she's tireless in visiting with kids right. and, and women and posing for selfies and signing autographs and just being so nice and, and not just an ambassador to the, for the sport, but just as a nice person. And that goes such a long way. I mean, there's a lot of athletes out there who can just be such dicks, and they don't have to be. Yeah. You know, I, because I, that li- that one little kid, you know, that you can influence in a positive way. And um, I, I can't say that. I mean, I assume Misty was the same way, but I just haven't been around her as mm-hmm. much under those circumstances. Um, but, you know, Carrie, I mean, unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. So. I think a, a big part of it is just kind of educating the, the players on the business side of things or, or the media side of things and understanding what our sport is off of the court. Because I never really got that introduction. I just came out and I figured I'd, if I win, then all this stuff comes to me. And But then I realized, like, no, you kind of have to create it. You have to go get an agent who... Uh, or You don't need an agent, but you have to create value for yourself, create, create value for the sponsors. They don't just show up and say, here, yeah. wear a hat. Like, here's a bunch of money. You have to actually bring value to the table. <laughs> well, you know, the thing is, too, that as, as a sports writer talking to an athlete, you know, be a good post-match media interview. Mm-hmm. When I talk to you on the in-between days, you know, just be honest, have fun, right. enjoy it. And then afterwards, you know, don't be in a big hurry when a, when a sporting event is over. Kid mm-hmm. wants your autograph. People want to shake your hand. They want to do it, you know. Just that's part of it, right? Yeah. I think people need to understand that that's part of what right. we're doing. And sometimes you lose and you're in a crappy mood, but you, you should still be nice. Yeah. You know. And you can yeah. take your 10, 5, 10 minutes, but then come back and, and get that in. You know? Exactly. Like, those people showed up, and that's what our sport needs is people to show up and be entertained. And if they want 
just an autograph or a high five or you know something like that then that I think that's our duty to yeah to well, give one thing that. college women's teams do indoor teams is almost everybody's got athlete signing periods afterwards so state right. U plays at home win lose or draw girls as soon as this match is over the tables are going out the posters are there and you guys got the sharpies and no matter what happens, there's a couple hundred little girls who, who line up in their families and they want to, you know, shake hands, take a picture, sign the autograph. The World Tour does a good job of that by having a media section. Like when you play on stadium, you have to go out mm-hmm. of through the mix zone. Through the mix zone, yeah. Yeah. And uh, do your interviews. So, so you know, the sports getting out there. You know, uh, getting their inter- everyone's getting their interviews, but then the fans line up right outside of the mix zone always. And and I think the tournament kind of tells them to meet there. Or it's just where the athletes come out. But I think that's important, too, is for the tour to kind of facilitate those opportunities for the fans to engage and for the media. Because I'm sure it's hard to chase people down. Like, if I'm pissed off, uh, yeah. Ed might not catch me. Like, I might be gone and I'm hiding somewhere because I don't want to be well, that's where to. that's where relationships and reputations come in. Like um, Totally. You know, like, uh, I was in Japan mm. for the pre-Olympic tournament. And uh, there were a couple people who lost, but they were like, and I think I'm giving myself the credit I deserve here. It's like, <laughs> all right, he's all, he's come all the way here. He's interviewed me in the past. Mm-hmm. You know, he know, you know, he know, you know. I know I'm going to get a good question. You know, so right, you know. totally. And but, like, yeah. or get their phone way. number. Like, yeah. Ed can text me. Yeah, well, <laughs> right? we, do, we do that. It's a small yeah, sport, you know, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And if you like, don't um, burn athletes in your stories. That that right. goes a long way too. Yeah. Just right. Like, well, I mean, I hope people if they ever read anything that we've done, no matter what the circumstances, they think it was yeah. you know fair and accurate and yeah. you know and uh, and and an honest assessment of things. And you know, we don't overly assess anyway. I mean, you know, you win, you lose. You know, whatever. That's actually an interesting thing that that I want to bring up is, I feel like in volleyball, we a lot of times we don't dig up the dirt quite as much. And I don't know if it's like you don't want to step on people's toes and not get interviews or you know, later on the line, but there's a lot of like dirt in there sometimes that I think is really interesting. And a lot of, I mean, you look on TV and it's like, look what Antonio Brown did. He's an idiot. Blah, blah, blah. You know, we don't have like the, this well, analyst like that. Yeah. Well, the one thing we have, like, for example, again, back to the women's indoor, we have statistics, we have sports information directors and mm-hmm. we have in, all the information in our hands. So I can say, you know, little Janie had 20 kills, but she only hit 065, and then in the fifth set, she was terrible. You know, right. and you can notate that. Uh-huh. Whereas with you guys, you know, the match goes by, and unless you're, like, charting it yourself, you're not going right. to get any kind of numbers, for example. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's just the nature of the game. It's just so, and there's only two people. It's, it's so right. much different. But as far as the social... Like, I should be grilled for, for what I did in, in <laughs> Vienna, right? <laughs> That's true, right, right. Someone should grill me, but <laughs> yeah. I'm the only one up here telling everyone about it, like an idiot. <laughs> right, right. But, but... uh you know, but your point about the other side of it is, like I do Mondays with Mick, Mick Haley, the mm-hmm. former USC coach, who you know from yep. your time there. And what's great about Mick is that he's got a great volleyball mind. He'll analyze, and he doesn't care what people think. So he's he's actually criticized some people and done some stuff. And it, to, to your point, it was yeah. like I was kind of like cringing a little bit, but thinking this is very refreshing. But you know, it'd be it'd be tough to. Uh, you know, like put yourself like in the in the case of like uh, the Am- the Amazon Prime Network where Kevin Barnett and Cameron Irwin are there. Right. You know, they can be critical or analytically critical, but only to a point because a they're there for the whole tournament. They're there for all eight tournaments, and then win, lose, or draw, they're going to want to have conversations with right, you. Exactly. And so you you've got to know that line. But I think any athlete will respect fair criticism if you point out factual things. Again, like. Totally. Um, you know, uh, 
player XYZ hit into the net four of the last five times he swung, and that's why they lost the match. Mm-hmm. That's a fact. Right. Now, they might right. get angry that you analyze it yeah. that way, like how you know why, but but that's okay. You Do you know? think our sport maybe would would benefit from having? I think what I'm referring to in in like ESPN and all that is is these analysts whose job is to take a side and then allow the the audience to either agree or disagree mm. you know and and that kind of riles everyone up well, about it have, we have don't you really been on have talk <laughs> <laughs> no i do not do the, the blogs but i think yeah, that would yeah. be entertaining yeah. right somewhat like if there's really an expert let's say i retire and and me and a few players are we, we probably have to retire to do this but we make a talk show and we're we just give our honest, brutal opinion about certain things. Like this guy's blowing it because he's doing this and that, and you know what is he doing off the court? And you know that that kind of perspective, I feel like would be pretty interesting. I'd recommend. And Travis kind of laid it out there a few times, which I liked. I was like, oh, this guy's telling it how it is. You know? I'd recommend for you to just get healthy and still try to make the Olympics for right now. No, no, no. see, I love everybody. I'm not trying to be that guy. But, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why that. that I mean, I, I see that a lot. Oh, like I mean, uh, the last couple of times I've interviewed Carrie, mm-hmm. she snapped at me because she didn't like the questions, and she'd be the first one. We joke about it, right? You know, but I appreciate the fact that mm-hmm. you know, whatever. Um, you know, I think good. Barnett, I think probably does the best job of being openly critical in a fair way. Because I remember when I watched a match that I had on Stadium Court uh, that he was commentating, he was like, "Travis's jump serve is not effective at all." He should probably go to a float, and I, and I like kept jump serving. I like would either miss or they'd pass it easily. And I was like, "That's right." <laughs> and so now, like my jump serve's not working, I like go to a float, and like because of that, yeah. So it's useful for me, but like I do think that you're right. Like we could use like a Paul Feinbaum, who does the same thing in the SEC and has like rabid fans this way and that. And but the fans like, are engaged. Yeah, whether like they're like well, Sandcast is the yeah. closest thing to it. I mean, don't remember. Remember now, there's not that many media outlets. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. over the time that we started volleyballmag.com, I mean, there's been a, a few of them that have come and gone. You know, to begin now with, we're kind of it. Yeah, and now it's like fourteen forty is the same. Mag, so. right? And with the Net Live retiring, there's one volleyball podcast of significance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Coach your brains out, <laughs> you know. is, but they're indoor too. So and they, like, and, they're and, good. And they're sporadic. Yeah. Right. You know, you guys are cranking it out every single Wednesday, no matter what. There's something, and it's awesome. And it's hard. But, uh, yeah, so unfortunately, you know, there's not that many media outlets. Right. You're stuck with us. <laughs> but, um, but on the other hand, you know, we're, we're covering it hard, you know. Yeah. So. Well, and we're, you know, we're in it. You know, yeah. that's the good thing about, like, Travis is a writer, or he was a writer first, but, like, you've completely immersed yourself in it, and you're actually, like, pursuing, like, climbing the rankings and doing it. Yeah. But, like, that perspective that you have, you have so much more credibility because you're on the court, at the tournaments, you know, in the players' tents. And well, and it, it, it gets the same way, you know, because yeah, he's been exactly. in the sport for all these years. I mean, I'm a latecomer to it, even though, mm-hmm. I mean, I was a 20-year club director and a mainstream sports writer. I mean, I was the LSU basketball beat writer for a long time, and... You know, written a few books and all this, so mm-hmm. I bring at least a journalistic sports credibility to it. You know, you can question my my volleyball analysis if you want, but not my passion for it. And all yeah. Right but yeah, so so you know, all of you are lucky that you've got us. You know, <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. You know, so it's all about the yin and yang, right? Like this show wouldn't be anything if I didn't have Travis, who actually has the journalist background. Mm-hmm. 
or else it'd just be me and maybe some other athlete just like talking and people would be like, I can't listen to this. Like <laughs> the conversation's <laughs> all over the place and blah, blah, blah. I think you do like undersell like what you bring to the table though, because athletes are so comfortable because you're there. Mm-hmm. And I know at least at first I think like now that, like you said, like I have like become like a le- pretty legitimate player in the sport that they're a little bit more comfortable right. like, talking to me too, but like, you know, like April Ross and Phil and came in our first like five episodes, like would have never happened right. if it was just like, Hey, Phil, I'm a journalist. I, like, yeah. love at least 21-9 first round yeah. of qualifying. They were definitely like, doing me a favor. Like, all right, Trey, like, <laughs> yeah. let's, let's yeah, do but this. Yeah, to your credit, too, the, the people that you guys have come on Sandcast come, and they're wide open. Mm-hmm. You know, they're they're open. And, and, and I think they that tell, is what they, yeah. Trey brings. Yeah, and they tell good stories. And, you ask, and you, ask, you know, you're a good interview. You ask good questions. I always right. find it fascinating about um, the stuff that happens off the court and the lifestyle things that athletes have to deal with. And you guys get, get them to talk about yeah. that. I mean, you know, whether it's diet or travel or yeah. their social lives and stuff. And that, that stuff's pretty fun. That's what I wanted because yeah. I was having these conversations with these athletes overseas. And, you know, I was bored. I was like, this is value right here. Like, people want to know about this stuff yeah. in our yeah. sport. So yeah. how can we do it? But, I mean, I mean, you guys have the same thing, that kind of yin and yang. Like, he's been around the sport. It's kind of funny. Like, we feel, you know, players were, like, in it and we're always there. And I feel like we feel like we know so much about the sport but if you really look at it like we've only been here for like he's been here for a few years i've been here for yeah. like what seven years or something you've been like following the sport since the 70s yeah like <laughs> you could listen to the stuff we're saying and just be like yeah this guy has no idea it's <laughs> such a small scope of like what it means and you're not on the court so you understand it from the outside from the media perspective from the business perspective probably that's something that i think all the players could benefit from learning more about I'm trying to learn more, but yeah. Well, it's for, my, doing for me, well. you know, I had never my first pro beach volleyball tournament was covering for volleyball magazine about five years ago in New Orleans, which set some kind of three day record for rain or something. <laughs> and uh, that was that was the first time I'd ever been around it. And I remember thinking, there's so many elements here that are so weird. Not the least of which was, as soon as the final was over. Athletes were sprinting to, and, and changing in the limousine yeah. that they had set up for them to get to the New Orleans airport because right. they had to go to Moscow. Casey and Jake and Phil and uh, Kerry. Listen, that, I, I was in uh, wherever we I were. Kerry I was would, overseas waiting for that. And like yeah. we decided to stay because it was a big event for us. I think it was Moscow, right? Yeah, it's one of the last Olympic qualifying events. And you can't get to Moscow from New Orleans. I it's mean, terrible, yeah. yeah. But we were waiting there in Moscow, and when they got there, they told us, I don't know if I'm allowed to say it, but basically they had said whoever wins the first set wins the second because they didn't have time to go to three. Mm-hmm. So they made a, a pack before. That's great. Whoever wins the first set. Well, yeah, they throw, had to fly. I'm pretty sure they were on the flights second. that were going from New Orleans to JFK. And they didn't have that much of a waiting time in, at JFK to then connect to Moscow. But I remember thinking to myself, too, if you, you're a high-level athlete and you don't get the time from a match to end to shower, to get the treatment that you need, and then you've got to go sit on two flights, so the risk know. of you getting injured over there. Or and you can go back anything. and look this up. I'm pretty sure that there were a few athletes who did Phil got farewell. majorly injured yeah. in Moscow. Yep. There, were, there was a lot of... Uh, things that happened later that summer for a few athletes. Yeah. But then I didn't see another beach tournament until, uh, was it two years ago or three years ago, World Series of Beach, the last one. 
that they had. And it was twenty seventeen with a uh, pit bull. <laughs> I, never, I had never heard of pit bull. Right, isn't that I the think, guy? I think it was twenty seventeen yeah. because that was the NVL's last event in Long Beach, and yes. they just paired yeah. it together. Yeah, w- that fact—that's when we actually met in person at that yeah. tournament. Right? Yeah, we, yeah, 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 right, exactly, exactly. And that was that was different, but that was kind of fun because I got to. It was a small field, so I got to take a lot of time to get to meet and know right. a lot of athletes that I wouldn't have gotten to know otherwise. Um, not the least of which was the. Thoroughly hilarious, Laura Ludwig. She's great. I enjoy awesome. visiting her. Mm-hmm. Gosh, she made me laugh. <laughs> she made me laugh. She is funny. And uh, but um, had great long conversations with Phil and Nick, um, um, Jake Gibb a little bit, Ryan Darty, who we have mutual friends from outside of uh, volleyball, and got to know, and all all from you know, that that event. And, yeah. and then then that was when he dragged me to Vienna. I still have blisters on my feet. <laughs> we are, uh, we've had you guys here for a while. I know you want to get some food. We're about an hour ten. I know that's over oh, the, no. the typical limit that you like your sand cat. But you know, somewhere in the refrigerator there might be some more cold beer. <laughs> <laughs> lager. That's true. Yeah. But we are like volleyball magazine, a new phase with 1440. Um, get a couple more toys to play with. Had a media day today. Um, so like, what's the future looking like uh, for you guys? Are we going to get to do more things now that you're kind of partnered with a bigger team? Me? You? Uh, so it's amazing, really. It's kind of like making a transformation from going to be a, a garage band to getting a recording contract. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, because, for example, we had all these ideas. We wanted to expand it to juniors. We wanted to expand it to Brazil. And normally we would be, okay, how are we going to pay for this? Who are we going to get to buy into this? How are we going to promote it? Um, with P1440, if they see it as a viable idea, they green light it and we go for it. Mm-hmm. You know, so, you know, we don't have to play short game anymore. We can play long game if we know it's a valid idea right. and, and we can get it done. So it's, it's really shortcutting for us, you know, yeah. a lot of time. Listen to me, people. Listen to me. No, I mean, <laughs> the name is kind of funky, P1440, okay? But there, there is a vision. There is an expectation of greatness on a tremendous scale. And all I can tell you is that in the next year, you're going to see even more things, not just from VolleyballMag.com, but from P1440. It's going to blow your little volleyball minds. And we're doing, we're doing amazing things on our end. You know, since we, for the same time period from last year, from August 15th when we announced the, the, the merger to and today is uh, October 7th or 8th, somewhere in there. Yeah. We're, we're up 60% in page views. And part of it's because of that. Part of it's because it's been an incredible NCAA women's season so far. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's so exciting and what's going on. But it's more content. It's more resources. It's Travis coming back. If you've never read Travis's stuff, go read it. <laughs> You're blowing it. It's good. And, and you know the whole the whole thing. So we we have we have great goals, and they'll they'll be achieved, and and this merger is a big part of it. Yeah. And so we're we're thrilled. We're we're thrilled. And uh, it's a it's a good thing. If it's good for us, and I mean this seriously, if it's good for volleyballmag.com, it's good for volleyball. Yeah. And for so sure. that means it, it's good for the NCAA. It's good for the USA Volleyball. It's good for the AVP. It's good for P1440. Yeah. It's good for the FIVB because it's more good coverage 
more in-depth coverage yeah. about a sport that if you're if you stuck with this this far, if you're into a, over an hour and ten, it's because right. you love volleyball, <laughs> especially if you're watching. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So this is great. I mean, thanks for having us. We really appreciate yeah. it. Well, yeah. Well, thank you guys too for being a part of this from the beginning. I think you you guys are probably the first people to hear about our idea once we came up with that. Yeah. And, did uh, I mention that I named you, you did. <laughs> I was going to say it, but yeah, yeah, yeah. So we, should, we should give you this ball. <laughs> no, no, yeah. it's okay. <laughs> we appreciate you coming up with the name and uh, being a part of it from the beginning. Yeah. It looks like we're all kind of on the same boat now, so let's yeah, let's ride this thing. Got it. Good. Thank you. Love it. Thanks for coming on, gentlemen. You the man. Shoots. Shoots. You're supposed to say shoot. <laughs> oh, shoot. <laughs> what? what does you that mean? You must not watch the show. What does that mean? <laughs> to the end? <laughs>